0: the Buck-Off Podcast with Lane Grant. Hosted by Christopher Rennie and joined by Jordan Williams. Welcome to everybody, this is Christopher Rennie back with another Buck-Off Podcast on the Lane Grant Podcast Network. Day. Jordan is still honeymooning, so I am joined by Matt Tammanini. How you doing today, Matt?
1: I'm good. I'm not loving the topic of conversation for today. And I know I'm the one who came up with these themes for theme weeks over at LGHL, but it's still, I wanted to get the negativity out of the way first, so we could spend the rest of the offseason being a little bit more positive.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, we could kind of play into it a little bit, the end of spring, the start of summer. There's not really a lot going on around the program. You know, there's been a few transfers here and there, so it's not like there's any notable news to talk about. So we might as well dive into it on today's show and throughout the week at Land Grant Holy Land. We've all been discussing our biggest concerns for Ohio State. So with this episode of Buck Off, I really just kind of wanted to dive into some of the topics I've seen throughout the week, kind of the ones we've kind of harped on a little bit more in the slack channel the stuff we're seeing on twitter i mean i feel like as a collective fans us writers at lghl writers on the beat there seems to be a consensus on the biggest concerns heading into the season so that makes it a little easier and even if we gave the true serve to the coaches i think they would probably be pretty aligned with us on the concerns we have so Pretty straightforward show today We'll talk about the concern We'll hash it out real quick Then we'll say if it's a real concern A medium concern or not a concern And then We'll continue through Offense, defense, potentially recruiting Depending on time, we've got some constraints today But we're going to do our best To get it all out there for you guys So without further ado Let's get into our biggest concerns on the offense Let's start Right here the offensive line won't play up to a championship level. Uh painting the picture, three new starters. I think everyone watching the draft, seeing Dewan Jones in the fourth round, seeing Luke Whippler, end of day three, getting drafted. This line could be a lot better, a lot in a much more stable place. Where are you at with it? Is this high on your concern list? Because I think this is my biggest concern, so much so it was my article this week.
1: Yeah, this is... I mean, it's not even close how big of a concern this is compared to everything else on the team. For me, you can talk about the secondary. You can talk about having a new starter quarterback. Those things do not compare at all to me in terms uh, of how much I'm worried about them uh, when talking about the offensive line not only is it was it a little painful to see two guys who were really good last year for the Buckeyes leave and then not get drafted where they almost undoubtedly wanted to get drafted. That stung a little bit more for me because of – for them because they lost out. I don't know if they would have significantly improved their draft stock or not, but it probably couldn't have gotten worse for them. Uh, especially – I mean, both of them, honestly. Dwan Jones was – You know, I I hate to give any kind of credence to any of the the gossip mongering that happens in the later stages of the NFL draft process. But like that just felt dumb for a guy who has done so much incredible progression throughout his time at Ohio State for them to then question his commitment to football and say – Oh, he wants to play basketball. Dewan Jones. There is no was, conceivable was reality where Dewan Jones legitimately thinks he's going to play in the NBA. That's like what probably happened was. I mean, we we talked we've talked about it before. I feel like Chris, you and I have like he's he's an athlete. Like he played high school basketball athlete. and was really good. And that was somebody taking a, 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 a quote out of context and making it into a bunch of BS, like we've seen so much. But beside that, Luke and and and. Um, and Duwan not being on the team this year, that hurts because they would have turned this offensive line from an absolute mess into a stable group. I still think we would have had some depth issues with the offensive line, but having them in the mix along with <laughs> Josh Fryer, Donovan Jackson, Matthew Jones, like that would have been a pretty solid starting five. That, yeah, would it have been you the would best have felt
0: comfortable with that. You would have felt exactly. there wouldn't have been huge questions going into spring like who's going to start where There's not that question. And, you know, and the thing is, we look at the depth differently now. A lot of it would be the same pieces, but now they're depth. They're not guys that are expected to play significant minutes and be a part of the offensive plan every week. And that's kind of the scary thing in my eyes. And I don't want to sound off alarms, but it really is the the tilt of this season is going to rely on can Justin Fry develop those players? And it wouldn't have been that way if Dewan stayed, if Luke Whippler stayed. Um, and that's just the truth. And that's why I think it's a huge concern.
1: Yeah. And, <laughs> I think anybody who follows college football understands that even more so than even quarterback, offensive line is a position that you have to have guys with experience there. You have to have people who have had the opportunities to develop not only physically but mentally into that position because that is – with all due respect to everybody else including quarterback, like it's, it's a legitimate argument that those guys that play offensive line – have to be smarter than everybody else on the field. They have to be able to understand protections more than anybody else. There's so many more moving pieces for the offensive line than any other position. And then when you have to factor in the fact that their bodies have to change more than anybody else going from high school to college, you need veterans. You need guys who have experience and have been in programs for a long time. We're now going to be looking at a situation where perhaps – either Zen Mikulski or Tekertesha or Bowl is going to be playing at, st- uh, at tackle. You've got um, Carson Hinsman, maybe Jake, I think probably Jacob James. If he's, if he's, if he gets back healthy, oh, yeah. are going to have to start at center. Maybe Vic Cutler, who is a transfer from Louisiana Monroe. But like, these are guys who haven't been in the program for as long as you would like offensive yeah, linemen. To be. And we've seen guys like Paris and, and Donovan start early in their careers than others. But those guys were freaks coming out of high school. We don't yeah, have a lot of freaks. freaks left.
0: And you still shouldn't expect those guys as offensive (laughs) linemen to be starting in year two. Like, Donovan Jackson, as great as he is and was last year, him starting in year two means the offensive line depth is not where it needs to be from a recruiting standpoint. And we're going to see that again with possibly Hensman, possibly Shibola, who are second-year players, not red-shirted, not their true sophomores that are going to be asked to do significant things offensively.
1: And, you know, the thing is, Gene wrote a great piece, and I mentioned it in something this week, too. A lot of this, even though this is going to be Justin Fry's second year, it's impossible to expect Justin Fry to turn this offensive line around with the cupboard as bare as it was when Greg Studrowa left. Yes, there were some really good pieces, the 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 DeWans, the Donovan Jacksons, the Paris Johnson Juniors, Um those guys, the even even the Luke Whiplers, there were some pieces there. But as we talked about, when you have a position like offensive line that requires guys to have been in the program for a long time to kind of meet their expectations, you can't leave it as thin as it was. And it's going to take a while for Justin Fry to restock the shelves, so to speak, and to get some of his own guys there. They're not there right now. I mean, the the, the players that you need to have a, a an Ohio State-worthy offensive line Are not on the team You've got a couple of them But not enough So it's going to take a while I think this is going to be A multi-year process And hopefully Justin Fry Can coach up the players That are there But I think to get them To where they need to be It's going to be 2014, 2015 Before we actually see An offensive
0: line Like we should uh, At Ohio State Yeah, 100% And in my article I wrote yesterday The average um, Recruiting ranking When you take out The three guys In the the top 100 that aren't currently on the roster. So you've got Paris Johnson Jr., you've got Luke... Wipp- uh, it wasn't Luke Whippler. It was... Uh, so you take out Donovan Jackson, Paris Johnson Jr., Matt Jones, the three guys clear away in the top 100, 68, 9, 19, were their respective recruiting rankings. The average composite ranking of offense alignment is 323rd. And that is a stat that kind of... it And like you... Have your developmental Ohio kids right, but you, you those are great when, you know, maybe one of those four or five-star guys doesn't work out and you get lucky that one of those three or four depth guys adds to it. But that's just not been the case. Like, you look at the current roster on the line, it is mostly outside of the recent class. It is mostly guys outside of 300, outside of 250 that, you know, we're always going to be projects and that's what's hard to handle with it.
1: Yeah, you can't expect um, DeWan Jones-type players to show up out of nowhere where he's a 1,000. And be uh, all Big Ten. Yeah, and, and then end up being a guy who gets drafted. Um, you have to have, you know, and I, I think part of this also goes to offensive line is the most difficult position for recruiting services to evaluate. So you can't just say, you have to go out and get top 100, top 200 players. There has to be a level of evaluation from the coaching staff. And I, and I think Ohio State evaluates players better than anybody. I mean, it, not maybe, you know, you can throw in Georgia and Alabama, but like at least in the Big Ten, at least in this area, like they do a really good job of evaluation. Mark Pantone's program uh, really does a good job of, of, of identifying players and, and getting on them early. So I'm not saying they just have to have the most highly regarded high school players but they've got to have some <laughs> and you know yeah. donovan jacks like you can't just rely on diamonds in the rough you've at ohio state you absolutely have to have some studs and then you fill it in like you said you you have some guys that other people maybe from a small town or don't have the opportunity to go to all the camps and the clinics to get evaluated by the recruiting services but it just feels like we're not gonna see anything fixed with this uh for a while so it it makes this 2023 season a little ominous but i think the one thing that you said at the beginning was that if you gave the coaches truth serum they'd admit this was probably the biggest problem too so i'm hoping that ryan day and brian hartline and justin fry can plan accordingly and take into account that okay the offensive line is not going to be very good this year, so we need to move the pocket. We need to get the ball out of whoever the quarterback is going to be, more than likely Kyle McCord. But we need to get the ball out of his hand quickly. We need to take advantage of the running backs. We need to get the ball to any talent in space, maybe we'll actually use a tight end.
0: We'll more games. Yeah, so yeah do we'll see things that a little that, bit more.
1: Yeah, you, they have to kind of account for the fact that The offensive line is probably going to be the weakest spot on the on the team this year. So I don't know if that bleeds into you talking about, you know, maybe some of the other uh, concerns on offense, but like
0: you have to be able to look
1: at what we've got and, and and adjust accordingly.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, I think we could settle on this. This is like if we're doing animal conservation scale, this is of most concern. Like maybe not low, like on extinction level yet, like fear of extinction. But this is of most concern. They are an incredibly vulnerable state right now. And until we see otherwise, like until we see them against a real football team, this is going to be the biggest concern. Um, Indiana, sorry. Youngstown State or whoever's that game, too sorry. Western Kentucky, definitely sorry. But until the Notre Dame game, we're really not even going to truly know what this offensive line can be. And that means we won't really know what the offense can be. And that kind of takes me to the next one on our biggest concerns. Ohio State will have their first real step back at quarterback. This was one – I don't want to misquote who wrote this one this week – Um, but I feel like it might've been Megan. Uh, Megan did an article. Megan. Yes. Megan. Uh, she said suffer a significant drop off at quarterback. And once again, it's kind of like offensive line play. What is significant? Um, but seeing CJ Stroud the last two years, uh, the offense covered up a lot of the deficiencies of the team. Um, seeing Justin Fields, who was just an incredible superhuman athlete who could throw the ball over the mountains, Um, you know, it's bound to happen. Like it's bound. There's going to be a year where the quarterback play isn't as good. And I think CJ Stroud after Justin Fields in his first year was a drop off. Will Kyle McCord be that level of drop off or will we actually have a legitimate, like, okay, we might have some question marks at quarterback. And before I let you jump in, the reason I don't believe that is because if Kyle McCord comes out of the gate struggling, you've got a Devin Brown sitting right there. And if Devin Brown is struggling, well, you've got Tristan Jevia who's won legitimate football games as a starting quarterback. So I think you have some safety valves. So I don't know if the drop-off can be considered, but say the first initial starting quarterback struggles out the gate and gets the job taken, would we count that?
1: I is there? There's always going to be, and you mentioned it with Stroud coming after Fields. Is there going to be a drop-off between a – second year Heisman Trophy finalist starting quarterback and a first year starting quarterback. Yes, of course, there is going to be a step backwards. Is it going to be a dramatic step? I don't think so. Like, I feel like we forget the fact that Kyle McCord was the number 28 player in the country in the 2021 recruiting class. He's a five-star player. He was, you know, all world coming out of St. Joseph's in Philadelphia, where he threw the ball to Marvin Harrison Jr. as a high schooler. So like, I I, will there be some growing pains to becoming a full time starter at Ohio State? Of course, there always will be. Is he like some slug that they found, you know, on the roadside, you know, at the interchange between I-70 and 70 or I-70 and 71? No, he's a legitimate NFL prospect quarterback. And I firmly believe that. He's going to come out and he's going to be an NFL draft pick. He's going to be a, a, a first round NFL draft pick. In fact, um, will it be after this year? If it is, that's awesome because that means Ohio state was probably pretty good this year. Um, he's going to have to deal with the offensive line issues, but I'm not worried about Kyle McCord being the starter. Uh, no. I, I am also not worried about, If he loses the job to Devin Brown, which I don't think that he will. But if Devin Brown comes out uh, of the summer and into fall camp and Ryan Day names him the starter, that's even better than Kyle McCord being the starter as far as I'm concerned.
0: An ultra talented quarterback recruit. Who is like, a year, of, the
1: job. Yeah. Who yeah. has a year of experience in the system. So, uh, but I'm not worried. Like I, I think if you look at it in totality, yes. Kyle McCord or Devin Brown in 2023 will not be as good as CJ Sherrod was in 2022 because it's their first year of starting and the offensive line is worse. Yeah. Yes. And when, in totality, they will not be as good, but individually, I'm not worried about the talent at, at quarterback. And also because yeah. Ryan Day's is still the guy who's in charge. And Corey Dennis, we don't talk about him as enough. And I, I'll be honest with you. Like I had my own, I don't know, bias or, or prejudices against him because he is Urban Meyer's son-in-law. Like the whole nepotism side of the later half of Urban Meyer's career just kind of soured me on a lot of those guys who he had personal connections to. But dude's legit. like every quarterback recruit that comes through talks about how incredible he is and how much they want to work with him. yeah, and coming out we had heard so much stuff out of the coaches clinic that happened last month. people talking about like like Corey Dennis is a future power five yeah. head coach I, I remember you sitting saying, in his job, yeah,
0: yeah, and it was. He was good. He, I mean, he manages the most important position. And it's not like he's just managing it from an X's and O's standpoint. Like, he – like, for – people think Ryan Day is the guy. Like, yes, Ryan Day laying out the groundwork. But Corey Dennis is with those guys probably 16, 17 hours a day basically, whether it's virtually, whether it's in the room, whether it's in the building. Like, he's the first guy they text because Ryan Day is not answering those texts right away unless you're the starter. Yeah, and that's I, just. I, He's good. He's good. Um,
1: yeah. I'm so, not, I'm not worried about quarterbacks. Like I, I it, it, will it be a step back? Yes. But that's more of
0: a logistics thing than it is a talent thing. The other side of it is last year, we, uh, as Ohio state, they lost Jackson Smith and Jigba first game. Basically like he came back, had some spot stuff, but you're basically running three first year starters out at wide receiver. And those guys all got their first taste. And if their first taste is like 1,500 yards for Marv and a bunch of touchdowns, 1,000 yards for Emeka Egbuka, you know, 600, 700 yards and a bunch of touchdowns for Julian Fleming. And now you've got Carnell Tate, Noah Rogers, and Brandon Ennis coming this summer. Don't forget X. Be don't forget five, X, too. Oh yeah, don't forget Xavier Johnson, um, the running back room. Um, They will have their they, – they will have the talent to help out the young quarterback. But, you know, it all comes back to, like, it doesn't matter how good those the rest of it is. The first concern is the biggest concern. This one, I think we can all say, we'll believe this is a concern when we when we see it in action. Like, if it comes out and we're a few games in, we're like, okay, this guy might not have it. Then we could start talking about it as a concern. But right now, I don't think there should be any concern. Um, last one on the list, um, there's been a lot of debate in web circles about Ohio state strength and conditioning last year, Travion Henderson hurt his foot. mine Williams had a myriad of in- injuries. Um,
1: JSN.
0: JSN was injured. Um, All the guys at corner. Yeah. Basically every cornerback uh, had an injury at some point last year, but specifically offensively, the stars need to stay healthy. I think more this year than ever. Because there's so much turnover, because there's so little depth on the offensive line, and I say stars loosely there, the starters need to stay healthy is the word I should have used. Um, How concerned are you? Do you think Mickey Marotti and his crew have started to figure it out? I know last year, I think a lot of people forget this, but Ryan Day was very adamant about tackling in practice, having incredibly physical practices. I think that ended up backfiring a little bit. So I think they probably will reel that in more. Um, do you think this team, do you think the from the coaches to the practice plans to the workouts in the offseason, do you think they finally got their system back to where they could balance that physicality needed to also maintaining the soft tissue health needed to be a successful football team or do you think that's a big concern still?
1: No, I think it's a concern. Um, It's to me, maybe maybe the wear and tear was a little bit of the fat of the problem with hitting hard in this whole obsession with toughness that Ryan Day had last year. But I don't think that was really the issue. Uh, I I, I think you hit the nail on the head there at the end with the soft tissue things. I'll never forget, you know, and this is veering off a little bit into a different sport, but Ken Griffey Jr., I mean, was the the smoothest, most beautiful swinging hitter uh, of my lifetime. I mean, he was incredible. He could hit the ball like nobody else could. Dude famously never lifted a weight. And that was an old school baseball philosophy because it was so much about fluidity. It was so much about being able to move your muscles in in an athletic manner that he thought that for him, by putting on more muscle would hamper his ability to move. Now, obviously, we went on and saw guys in his same generation, but maybe just a, a couple years later with all the PEDs and become these roided-out huge hulks that just bashed the ball. So obviously, that's not necessarily an apples-to-apples apples comparison. But I think that that is instructive when you are looking at the, the way that the Ohio State football program is bulking up guys. And you see this everywhere, so it's not like every – you know, the highest state is different with wanting to put muscle and weight onto players, but that you have to be able to do it in a way that maintains their athletic ability and maintains that flexibility and mobility. And I, I, I look, I'm not a, you know, a kinesiologist. I'm not, you know, a physical trainer, but it just seems like we are having more and more examples every year of Buckeyes having injuries that feel like they should be a week two weeks three weeks at tops turning into season-ending injuries and uh, again not a medical professional but that is a concern when when you hear guys like Travion Henderson and Jackson Smith and Jigba after the fact talking about their frustration with the 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 program be it the medical team being at the strength and conditioning team how things were handled they didn't get into a whole lot of specifics I mean Travion Henderson admitted to the fact that he thought about transferring because of the way that his injury was handled last year. He of course opted not to do that. And we were very thankful for that, but that has to give you some pause as to how things are being dealt with. And I I'm not comfortable with it. Uh, maybe that is also some of that residual urban Meyer connection that I'm, I'm a little not sold on coach Mick, but until we see guys bounce back from, from what should be bounce backable injuries, I'm suspect. I'm suspect to say the least.
0: Yeah, I agree with you on that. I do think there is definitely something missing from the offseason training to the management of, you know, injuries throughout the season. Uh, I think there's one way we can alleviate so many questions about injuries, and it's just Ryan Day being more open about it. Like, Ryan Day's like, 100%. Hey. Yes. Like he's got a strained hamstring. Like, the doctor says that's a three to six week injury. Like, him just going into every press conference being like, well, we're hoping to have him back this week. We'll see. That's not helpful to anybody. That's not, it doesn't give Ryan Day the benefit of the doubt. It doesn't give the player the benefit of the doubt. It doesn't give the training no. staff the benefit of the doubt. It leaves it all up for interpretation. And as a collective fan base, I'd say Ohio State. Any of the biggest programs, you leave anything up for interpretation, they're going to take it the worst direction possible,
1: and that's what happened and- with Jackson. Like I, at the end of the season, people were questioning whether or not he quit on the team, and I think that was solely because Ryan Day chose not to share information. And I understand why the the gut reaction is to keep things close to the vest for any strategic purposes, or you want to keep players' medical information out of the public. But dude, that does not help anyone. And for I, you know, I've been talking about the Urban Meyer nepotism side of that. So I'll give Urban Meyer some credit here. He was more open. He was uh, a little too honest. He was yeah, he was a little too honest with things. But in a program where you have so many eyeballs on you all the time, I think it is better to be more open than less open. And Ryan Day every year has gotten progressively more turtleish at the podium, and I think that has hurt his players. And then in turn hurt the program um, more than it has helped. So you're 100% right on that.
0: Yeah. And it's like at the end of the day, the the worst thing you can do is hide something that's serious because it's going to come out eventually. Like Travion Henderson's foot injury. Like Travion Henderson's not a guy who's been shy with the media, you know, to probably like – The negative view of the coaches Like not like I don't want to say like The coaches hate him for that or anything I don't want anyone to take it that way But like he's going to say what he feels He's a star player He has that right to speak a little more freely Than most other players on the team And when you give him that He's going to talk about his foot injury He's going to talk about what happened And that happening six months after the fact Is significantly worse than saying Hey he's got this minor break in his foot We're going to try to work through it Doctors are saying this, doctors are saying that. Instead, Trayvon Henderson finds out, says it eight minutes later, or eight months later, we find out that he thought about transferring. And this is a whole much bigger story than it should have been. And if you're injured, there there are players who get hurt. It's part of It's a physical sport. It's going to happen. You can expect one or two guys to get banged up a game. Being closed off about it just makes it worse for everybody. All right, um, before we get to the defensive side, um, wait, yeah, we gotta finish. Concern, I think we're both in agreement. I, I wouldn't say this is the biggest concern or the smallest concern. I'd just say this is right in the middle on concern. Yeah, and with that, we'll take it to the break. So we've got major concern, no concern, concerns. I think that's pretty good. It's pretty good so far. Um, but we'll take a quick break here and we'll see you guys on the flip side with some biggest concerns about the defense. Christopher any bring another episode of the Buck Off Podcast. A um, relatively negative show uh um, <laughs> bring you guys joy in the spring time. You know, it's May, it's starting to get warm, you know, the clouds are out. So I'm glad it's starting to get warm before we release the biggest concern show in Ohio, around the country, it feels like. So you guys aren't just going to be like, man, these guys are Debbie Downers. We are still... Functionally, journalists to an extent. So we have to bring a lot of truth to what we write at times. You know, yes, we're a fan site, but we also have to bring honesty to keep it to where we have a lot of. I, we need to be a trusted source. We do, and that I, means I got, I got to tell you, Chris. I,
1: yeah, I think sometimes because we're a fan
0: site, we speak a little bit more truth to power than some of the actual. <laughs> I I can agree with that because I you never stop me from. You know, going too far in on a coach directly. You I know, mean, we've had some hit pieces on on. I like not to throw out any strays, but Parker Fleming's gotten some hit pieces. I mean, Gene, uh, Gene wrote
1: an article that went up at halftime of the Oregon game calling for Kerry Combs to be fired. So, like, we're not shy of talking negative about the team where I think most of the people yeah. on the beat, because they have to
0: deal with, you know, they have access issues. they have to talk to Jerry Emick, who's going to be yeah. like, why would you write that?
1: Yeah, we don't. We're going to tell you to you straight. You might agree with it. You might disagree with it, but we're never going to sugarcoat anything, although. We often are homers as well. So,
0: yeah, uh, so it's kind of fans. We're fans. The truth and the balance of it is we are homers, but we are going to be incredibly honest about what we write. Um, But yeah, that gets us to the defense. And I think this is where fans probably need the most honesty. You know, I think even with all the major concerns we found on the offense uh, and didn't find, we can give that coaching staff the benefit of the doubt because they've had good offenses since 2018 ranking in the top 10 in yards per play so even with that there is going to be some semblance of success so figure it out defensively we figured it out in 2019 i don't even know if we can give jeff halfley credit anymore because i've seen his boston college teams but yeah wolf chase young Jeff Okuda, they're not walking through the door. Jim Knowles got paid a bunch of money to come in, fix the defense. We saw great progress made until the biggest games of the season. It's time. I think this year is a make or break year. Um, There are still concerns. You know, I think there's some concerns lingering over from last season. And let's get started with the first one. The secondary does not actually improve. Um, I think this is can be broken into two. I feel very confident the corners are going to improve. I don't think you bring in a guy like Davis and Igby Nosen, the other guys aren't just going to lay down and be like, oh, this guy's a starter now. It's going to get the best out of everybody. You get comfortable in the scheme. I think something we have to remember, Perry Eliano, Tim Walton, that was their first year in the scheme as well. So they're more comfortable teaching what's expected. Um, Corner, man-to-man coverage, it's simple. We're going to know how it goes from the jump safety. On the other hand, I think a lot of people gave a little too much blame to the cornerbacks at the end of last season. When you look back at the biggest plays of the year down the stretch, it was Cam Martinez falling against Michigan. It was Lathan ransom falling against Georgia. You know, there was Cam Brown missing a tackle, but Tanner McAllister also wasn't in great position there. Um, they need to improve. The linebackers showed they're good. The defensive line didn't put up a lot of sack numbers, but they showed they were good. How concerned are you that the secondary does not take the steps needed to complete the defensive turnaround?
1: Am I concerned? Yes, because it, it, this is not a group that has shown it to us yet. Am I dramatically concerned? I don't think so. Like I feel pretty good about this secondary. In fact, I feel pretty good about this defense as a whole. And it's very strange when looking at Ohio State team under Ryan Day to say that I'm more confident in the defense than I am the offense. Now, again, almost all of my concern on the offense is based around the offensive line and what that means for the ability for those insane playmakers to do what they're capable of doing. But I think the defense is going to be pretty good. And and I think you're right with bringing in Davis and Ig Magnuson. You are adding another guy with experience into a rotation at corner of guys that severely underperformed last year. But we have reason to think that they're going to be really good at some point. I think Denzel Burke. Started to figure it out as he got healthy at the end of last season. Um, Jordan Hancock, I don't know if he was ever healthy. I think those guys are still your starters, but I feel like you throw in Davison and maybe a little bit of Jair Brown. That's going to be the rotation, and I think they're going to be good. I think they're going to be solid. Um, I think you and last time I was on the show, we talked about the fact that like I think some of the issues that the corners had last year were also a byproduct of the fact that the defensive line didn't get as much pressure as you would normally like. I feel like the defensive line this year, and we're going to talk about the defensive line, um, so I don't want to get into that too much. But like, I think if they can just speed things up by a half second, that makes the corners job a lot better or a lot easier because they don't have to stay in coverage even longer. So I feel very good about the corners and I'm excited. I'm actually excited about the safeties. Uh, I feel like even though he wasn't necessarily the number one guy in spring, I think Jihad Carter is probably going to end up being yeah, a starter. A yeah. He's, he's going to get there. He's going to play the nickel. Um, He's a guy that has so much experience Coming from Syracuse Having played all three cornerback positions They're not bringing him in To sit him behind Cam Martinez And that's not a knock on Cam Martinez Who I think can still be a contributor But I think Jihad Carter is going to gonna be in the mix I'm shocked that Josh Proctor is still on this team uh, Coming out of last year I really thought he, he would be one of the first guys in the portal One of the best practice players of all time Yeah, because he's he's the guy they talked about all spring And For he the was the number part, one guy
0: is like we saw Minnesota He had the interception return the big one We saw against Wisconsin The year prior his huge hit on Jack Cohn So there's just been moments sprinkled in yeah. That have been like okay this guy can be great And then he breaks his leg and then last year He's got a new scheme he's not comfortable in Um, I, I'm with A lot of people though where if Sonny Styles Isn't playing the majority of the snaps At the bandit position I might get, Grow a little frustrated Um, But you're, you're right I mean Josh Proctor, we hear it every single year. Yeah, he's killing it in camp. He's and that. I mean, honestly, we hear that mostly about the safeties. But when's the last time we've seen truly elite safety play? That's it's a huge question. Yeah,
1: I, I I personally believe that Sonny South is going to play. I don't know if he's going to be the starter or if yeah. that even matters. Um, I feel like he's probably going to be the starter by the end of the season. What that means. Could he actually, I think he's probably big enough to go in and play
0: some nickel as well. Um, yeah. If you want to bring in uh, you would rather probably have him in than a third linebacker because yeah. he's big enough and he's still athletic enough to where if he gets caught on a slot receiver for a few series that you're, you're not scared. It's not necessarily a matchup you'd want frequently with his experience level, but it's definitely something where you're like, all right, he's a great athlete. If as long as he survives a couple plays, like we could get this package out there. And that's a pretty, that's a pretty scary package at times.
1: Yeah. I mean, Lathan ransom is obviously locked in. So he is going to be on the strong side Uh, anywhere else. I'm good with it. Like, I feel like there's enough depth. You throw in Proctor, you throw in styles, you throw in Kai Stokes, even, um, yeah. And they'll figure it out. Like, I feel good about that group. If if Josh Proctor is getting the benefit of the doubt because he's a veteran and he just doesn't look right the first few games, you've got Sonny there to replace him. And, and while normally I would be concerned about the Ohio State coaching staff giving the benefit of the doubt to veterans and letting them play longer than they should – We saw it last year with Josh Proctor. They benched his ass real quick when he looked bad early in the season, and he was not the starter for the majority of the season. I I feel like you can't keep Sonny Styles on the bench unless there is somebody obviously better than him ahead of him. And I think Lathan Ransom is locked in. Unless something weird happens with him, he's starting all season, and I'm happy about that. But the only way that Sonny Styles is not a starter for this team is if Josh Proctor balls out, which I'm fine with. If that's the case –
0: Awesome. Yeah, I mean, that means he's earned it. And I think that's a thing also that we forget. Like, if Josh Proctor is starting over Sonny Styles, who's an all-world recruit, like, was able to reclassify and contribute, like, that means he's earned it and that means he's playing really good football. Um, but, yeah, I, I honestly don't think I'm concerned that they don't improve because they, they had some pretty bad moments last year. As long as they don't fall over twice in key moments, like – this would be a pretty elite group, I think. Just Don't trip yeah. and fall. Yeah, don't trip and so. fall, and and
1: and let the defensive line get them some time, uh, or give them a little you know a little less time of having to be in in coverage.
0: Yeah, hundred um, percent. That brings us to the defensive line. Um, I I think this this got alleviated for me during the spring game. Um, But the defensive line depth becoming a negative factor. Uh, There's five defensive tackles who are currently rotatable, I'd say right now. Um, And then I'd say five ends that are probably playable right now. Um, So there's, that's a pretty good starting group, a good two deep. Um, But, I, I think it is a little thin and I think you can see that with who they're kind of recruiting in the portal. Um, but are you concerned that the depth might not step up? And I, I want to paint this here. For years, it's been Javante John Baptiste. It's been Tyler Friday. It's been guys who do their job well, but not necessarily guys who have a difference maker skill set coming into the game. Whether it's Kenyatta Jackson, Amari Abor, Caden Curry, um, Hero I don't know who's going to Yeah, Hero Canoe. I don't know who the guy outside the starters is going to be. Ty Hamilton. Um, I think he's uh, a starter. I I think think Ty Hamilton's a starter. Mike Hall's a backup or Tyreek Williams is a backup. That's pretty scary. Um, But, you know, whoever's not outside that first four, I think you've got a significantly better two deep this year. You've got guys who will come in – be able to give those guys a blow and make plays. Like, and I feel like that wasn't the case. Once JT was off the field, once Jack was off the field the last couple of years, it did not feel like there was someone who could make a play. I,
1: my issue with the defensive line depth is actually the exact opposite of what you're talking about. My concern is Larry rotating too much we all know that Larry Johnson loves to rotate the defensive line and it makes sense you want those guys to be fresh in the critical moments however what I define as a completely uninformed unintelligent onlooker who sits on my couch during games considers to be an important situation seems to be much different than what Larry Johnson who is arguably the best defensive line coach in the history of college football thinks is important because way too many times over the last few years we have seen the second and even third team guys in key situations in which the other teams are in the red zone or score touchdowns and the, the the best guys are getting a blow on the sideline, which is great, but Hey, maybe run them in when they get inside the 30. Um, so yeah. that's my concern is I think Mike Hall is an absolute monster. And I think he's going to have a great year uh, in the middle of that line. I think Ty Hamilton is going to start next to him. Tyleek Williams is probably better, but as we've kind of heard, like Tyleek has said, he didn't work very hard, and he wasn't in very good shape. Um, so until he can be consistent, I, I don't think you're going to have him out there. But if he can prove himself to be the starter, he is another guy who can absolutely destroy the interior of an offensive line. If you put JT Twyman out, who had the greatest single performance by a defensive player in Ohio State history last year against Penn State. You get Jack Sawyer in an actual defensive end position rather than yeah, playing a position that he isn't built for yeah like those two defensive ends are literally the two best defensive end recruits in ohio state history let them yep. go out and do it those four guys or whoever the four starters are should be on the field in any moment that's important if they need a blow obviously get them out you got depth like you said for guys so who can step up it.
0: But yeah, it's you situationally.
1: Yeah, don't just yeah. rotate because you have a plan as to what series and how many what drives yeah, guys going like to play. Jack's
0: going to get six. Play. It's like when you used to hear Urban Meyer say, "We've got to get Curtis Samuel six touches. We've got to get this guy six touches." Like that's in, fine, in, but pick the theory Pick when works. those touches are. Yeah, but like also Curtis Samuel's playing significantly better than this person. Let him play 12, 13 snaps. You know, <laughs> going back to defensive line, it's my call's day. Why do we need to give them as much rest? Like these guys love to play football is a rhythm sport as much as people like to think. It's like, you know, you could get into a real rhythm as a pass rusher. And why, why do you take that out of the game in third down situations? That's,
1: that's here's when you take it out when you're playing Youngstown State in Western Kentucky in the beginning of September. Yeah, you That's when you low, let the other guys yes. play. Because honestly, the rest of this this schedule and maybe we'll talk about this later. Like Ohio State's schedule is brutal this year. Like, yeah, I don't know if should. they could have other than wow. having Iowa as a crossover game. Like, I don't know if you could get a much more difficult schedule for the Buckeyes in terms of the Big Ten. So uh, I, I I think you have to have the best players in the majority of the time. And Larry has has not done a great job of that, in my opinion. Again, my mm-hmm. opinion obviously counts far more than Larry Johnson's opinion. Uh, so hopefully he can. Fix yeah, that a little list. bit this year, uh, because that's the only issue I have with the defensive line because I think that these guys are ready to get back to the type of production that we need to see or we're yeah. used to seeing from an Ohio State defensive line.
0: So, yeah, I'd say not concerned, um, that the depth will become an issue from a term of like not enough good players. Uh, I think that's the first time we could say that in a while where it's like, okay. We've got these guys and their stars, and then we've got these young guys who are ultra-talented. We'll see what we can get out of them. But we are still concerned – we are still probably very concerned that Larry Johnson is going to over-rotate. And I think that's fair. I think he's he's been doing it as long as – probably longer than I've been alive. So um, he's going to keep rotating. Um, but, yeah, last one. Um, I think this will finish up our biggest concern show before our final thoughts. Ohio State's still going to give up too many big plays. Um, We love Jim Knowles. He's a gambling man. He loves to blitz. He loves to bring pressure. Um, I think at times, and I think he's mentioned this quite a few times during spring, that with the talent at Ohio State, you don't necessarily need to scheme up big plays defensively like when he was at Oklahoma State it was a key factor to his defenses having greater success was coming up being aggressive in a certain time Um, he said it multiple times during the spring that that doesn't always need to be the case and I think with that mindset I think he realizes that play against Michigan that play leaving Lathan Ransom in single coverage when there's six minutes left in the game Maybe he can pull it back a little bit. Let the players go make plays. Let the players keep things in front of them. And you'll still have good things happen. And I I think that helps me feel not concerned that they're going to give up big plays. But I'm also a little nervous because it is hard for people to – a leopard can't change his spots, I guess is what I'm getting at. And Jim Knowles is going to want to be aggressive. He's going to want to attack. But can the uh, the defense make sure that they don't give up big plays when those plays are called? And that's what I'm concerned about. Well, I
1: want him to be aggressive. Like, I I want there to be blitzes. I want you to trust your players to make plays. I want you to put guys in single coverage, man-to-man coverage. Like, I want that. But again, it kind of goes back to what we talked about with Larry. Like, pick your spots. Like, understand the situations. Uh, I think if the defensive line can do what I expect them to do, I want to see them putting pressure on the court. I want to see them maybe bringing a guy down from the second level to blitz, whether that's a linebacker or a safety or even a corner. I want to see putting pressures on opposing, uh, opposing quarterbacks, but it all has to be situational. Like I don't leave guys who have struggled alone on an Island, have somebody deep. And I think some of those plays, including some of the ones you mentioned in high, you know, high pressure situations, he probably did have guys that were supposed to be there in, in blue coverages, but uh, is it going to happen? Yes. That's the way not only Jim Noles is defensive, but that's the way college football works. You know, like they're going to be big plays. Uh, that's the way offenses are built. That's the way defenses are built. I'm okay yeah. with that in theory. And Jim Knowles has always said like three, four, five times a game, they're going to give up chunk plays by the nature of the defense. I'm totally fine with that. It cannot be what we saw against Michigan where it was like, every drive there was a 40 to 60 yard touchdown. That's yeah, where it and, becomes a problem. If it's, if it's, if it's a 20 it, to 25 yard play once every third or fourth drive, totally
0: fine with that. And big plays come from different places. Like the ones you brought up against Michigan, like those were mistakes. Those were players miscommunicating coverage. Those were tripping and falling. Those yep. were errors. Like you, it doesn't matter the scheme. If you call a play and you trip, like touchdowns are going to happen. I think it's those uno- those avoidable mistakes. Like, if they just fix those, it becomes not a concern, right? Um, and I'm trying to figure out how to bring this to a close. But if Ohio State doesn't give up, what, four big plays last year, um, they beat Michigan, they probably don't have to play Georgia in the first round. But even um, then, I mean, I mean <laughs> they, they should, have beat, bigger, they should have beat Georgia beat too. I mean, so, Michigan
1: was a bigger – I mean a bigger beat down than Georgia was. I mean, Ohio State should have beaten Georgia. I don't know if I can
0: say that about Michigan. Uh yeah, Ohio and, State should have beaten Georgia. And that's that's where we're at with big plays. And I, I think Jim Knowles, I think Jim Knowles realizes it. Um it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how this defense comes out, how aggressive they are. And I think the thing you said about picking your spots, like in the second quarter, you know, when you're up fourteen to zero and you want to put this game away. How about we send a max pressure cover zero blitz and try to put this game away in the second quarter? Like, that's the type of aggressiveness you love to see.
1: And and Uh, then when you're up 38 or uh, 28 or 35 points at halftime, hey, Ryan Day, it's okay to take starters out against (laughs) Youngstown State and Western Kentucky or even Rutgers or Maryland or
0: whoever. But like. It's like getting to the point, you know, and this is no offense to Youngstown State because, you know, we've seen an FCS team come up and have the day of their life and be a Big Ten program. I'm not going to name names. but App State. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, it's like Kyle McCord won against Akron. Like, he won a football game. That was real. He never started. He never played. Like, we're going to see 15-game seasons. Like, there is not always a necessary – Need to run your starters out to the fourth quarter. Now, yeah. if you want to run up the score against a Big Ten opponent, sometimes you need style points. We'll see how the season's going. Yeah. But yeah, I think we've got all the concerns in. Um, I think Ohio State needs to stop giving up big plays. I think we've decided this season is going to be decided by how well the five players on the offensive line develop and co. Go- like become cohesive as a unit, you know, that's really where it all starts with that position. Um, But yeah, final thoughts here. Uh, I think we could finish up rank one. We're going to do the survey survey Qualtrics time rank one being very concerned five being no concerns. How confident should fans feel about this Ohio state team in your eyes?
1: I really wish you had given me this on a 10 point scale rather than a five. Cause I, 10, let's, no, 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 no. let's leave. No, leave it at five, but I'm going to break it down. I'm not using whole numbers. I'm going to go. Yeah, you should be a, Yeah. 3.75 out of five, which of course translate to a seven and a half, seven point five 7.5 out of 10 point scale. There are concerns. And I think, you know, the one we talked about it uh, on the offensive line is a ginormous concern. The other one's, Our concerns, but they're not huge. I I think a lot will be determined in that first game. Uh, Well, I don't expect Indiana to to be much of a challenge at all. I think that that will show us what we need to see against a, you know, a a Big Ten team, although it's not a very good Big Ten team. Um, We'll know a lot after that game, but I think until we see them Play the Hoosiers and stack up against a uh, you know a, a Tom Allen defense. Not that that is as impressive as it was you know five years ago. Yeah, but I
0: they're going to bring crazy blitzes. They're yeah. going to really challenge the offensive line from a scheme standpoint. So it, it's a test in that sense. Like how organized is this group going to be? Are they going to get manipulated by pressures, showing pressures? Like a young quarterback seeing three guys walked up and then dropping into coverage. There are yeah. tests that. Yeah, Ohio State should still win by 35, but they could win by 35 on the back of their five running backs. It yeah. doesn't mean it's going to look pretty.
1: No, yeah. that's what, I mean, So we're going to see how they can deal with that. But then what's great is they have two legitimate cupcakes, probably the two biggest cupcakes Ohio State's faced in a long time for yeah. the next two weeks before they have to go on the road and play in South November Bend. Yeah. So I, I, I think we'll learn a lot uh, in Bloomington on September 2nd. And – until then, I like I've got a, a fairly decent amount of concern. This is still Ohio State; they're still going to win at least ten games in the regular season. Um, but I think there's reason to kind of just be unsure as to how that's going to happen. Um, yeah, you know, for the rest of the year.
0: Yeah, I think we're pretty in line together. I I, I was going to say four out of five. Um, I'm not concerned that they're not going to be a good football team. I could very much see this team going eleven and one again, and it would feel like a disappointment in a lot of ways. Depending on who the one is, like if that one's Penn State, well, yeah, you know they got us after a few years. That one's Michigan; it's another colossal failure of a season. That's a huge issue. (laughs) Um, You know, go on with it, but it really four out of five. If the offensive line showed any life in the spring game, I'd probably be like, yeah, there's no concerns. This team's going to be good. Let's just pencil the day in for the end of November. And we'll see what happens. Uh, but there is a there is some legitimate concern hanging around in this program about what the ceiling could be. And if we're doing this on a win national championship or not win national championship scale, um, it could very quickly be not win the national championship if Ohio State's offense line's not very good because – uh, the only advantage right now is most of the premier programs don't have returning quarterbacks. Most of the premier programs in the country are also replacing quite a few players, um, but Ohio State's not replacing many of the key positions.
1: Well, um, it doesn't like I don't know in terms of the skill position players. I don't know that anybody in the country has as good a skill position players as no, Ohio State. I mean, they, they have the best. So. <laughs> if you look at the fact that Ohio state was legitimately one play away from winning a national championship last year, like, one play, you could say it was the the field goal missed at the end of the game, or pick another play throughout the course of the game. If they beat Georgia, they beat they destroy TCU. Yeah. So they were one play away from winning the national championship last year, and I don't know that they were that good of a team in totality. They were an amazing offense. The defense was average at best. So I think that if we think the defense is able to make. The substantive improvements that we anticipate them having, as long as the offensive line can be serviceable, I think there's a lot of confidence there. My problem is, this, my concern, I guess, if we're going to go with the actual theme of the week, is I don't know that this offensive line can be serviceable.
0: Yeah, that's it, where the issue comes. It, it's legitimate. I like past concern. It's a legitimate fear. Um, you know, it's the offseason. It's May. I may come around. Um, let's hear we're getting out of the woody yeah. haze in the fall. Let's see how those first four games go. I think you're like we said Indiana, they're going to do some funky stuff. You've got two games to fix your mistakes before the big one in South Bend. Um and at that point we're probably going to have a good idea about what this team can be. Um And yeah, I think biggest concern, offensive line doesn't work out. I'm your 7.5 out of 10, uh 3.75 out of five, I'm four out of five, eight out of ten, um, uh, not concerned. So I don't think fans should be concerned that this team's going to have some semblance, uh, like any form of an implosion. There's no. too much talent. There's too many good players. I think the concern goes from, is this team going to be able to go 15-0 and and win a national championship, or are they going to be scratching and clawing to get through the season with – 11, 12 wins. And that's I, really where it is. And I, I, I'd i say we're still pretty blessed if that's where our concern level is.
1: Yeah. I mean, I legitimately think they could lose to Penn State and Michigan. Uh, and, and that would put them at third in the Big Ten East, which would feel like the sky is falling. And that's a year that clearly they would not be in the college football playoff. But, like, losing to Penn State and Michigan would suck if you did it in the same year. But... Honestly, this would be the last season that it would matter because hey. the next year, if they lose to both Penn State and Michigan, they're probably still in the playoff. Still in the playoff. Absolutely. So, oh, it's and like, then at that point, anything can happen. Yeah. As um, we've seen. And we'd probably have a new head coach. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I wrote about that a but, little bit. This like I don't think anybody wants to fire Ryan Day that works at Ohio State. But you lose three times in a row to Michigan. There's yeah. going to be some people. Uh, fans and boosters who uh, might be calling for that with like torches and pitchforks 100
0: and i will say at this point in time it's may 4th uh, may the 4th be with you when we're recording it's may 5th tomorrow cinco de mayo enjoy um the friday that's pretty sick it's happening on a friday for once but <laughs> the last thing is there was a certain national writer who had lsu as their number two team in the country so that's where we're at in the offseason so my God. leave what you want it's it's that time of year there's going to be some takes there's a lot of fans getting excited i still have notre dame fans bugging me every so often about my takes about sam hartman that tweets like four months old <laughs> uh, so uh it's that time of year we're all there this is where concerns come out let's just hope they get answered And I think with that, uh, Ohio State's going to be a very good football team. So before you rate the podcast, uh, whatever, because we're so concerned, uh, just remember, skip to the 54-minute mark. And (laughs) listen, we're going to be – Ohio State's going to win a lot of football games next year. So I'm going to cut this. I'm going to put it at the front. And then when they get back to the end, they'll be like, all right, cool. Yeah, there you uh, go. But that's it. Uh, you guys can follow me at Chris CFB. You can follow the show at Buck Off Pod. Make sure you're subscribed to the new podcast feed. Um, Matt, I have just been saying the Land Grant Podcast Network, if they type that into Apple, will that work?
1: Yeah, that's it. It's the same feed. We just changed the name of the feed. If you were already subscribed to the old uh, LGHL feed, you're already subscribed. You don't need to do anything different. If you are not subscribed, just search land grant podcast network and it'll show up.
0: All right. Perfect. And then we can find you on Twitter at BWW Matt, Correct. That's it. For The listeners, you get your streaming news, you get your Broadway news, and you get your Ohio State football conversations. A little he's, bit of everything, he's a renaissance man, that's why I have him here. <laughs> uh, but we appreciate you stepping in for Jordan, Matt, and enjoy your weekend.
1: Thanks, man. I'm leaving here to go see Guardians of the Galaxy 3 with my brother, so uh, uh,
0: looking forward to that. Oh, that was next weekend. No spoilers, um, no spoilers. But yeah, enjoy that. It's gonna be I, I think that's my favorite one in the MCU. So I think right. I think you could I think that'll be a fun one. But we'll see you guys next week.